Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you live from the Quandle Studio right here in good old Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host Chris Martin out on the left side of the state. Chris, time to check in, brother. What's going on? Oh, oh, got to whack me upside the head. How you doing, John? Good, good to good. hear from you today, as always. And I'm really glad that we're together on this uh, little podcast adventure with a uh, great co-host and good friend. So thank you, John, for that. And uh, hi, everyone. I am Chris Martin. I'm with Atlas Marketing. You've heard me say it before, and I'll keep saying it. We tell stories for people who build things and ask you to check us out at atlasstories.com. And uh, today, John, we've got a really broad topic that we can go in so many different ways, right? Yeah, we do. We do. We're going to spend the next, you know, 20, 30 minutes eating bonbons and drinking beer. No, just joking. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> no, just joking. There's That's a combo I don't think I've ever tried. I have to admit. <laughs> I don't know if that'll taste good or not. Today's, a, a today's topic is something that it seems like every production meeting we always talk about doing more when it comes to green construction and green building. But I don't know, we never seem to get around to it that, that often. So uh, it thrills us to get an expert in this area. We have John Hayden, yeah. Director of Engineering at Quandle Energy Solutions. And today we're talking green building and green construction. And we're going to unleash John and he's going to let it fly. <laughs> so first, for, for our audience, you know, who is John Hayden? You want to just give a shout out, let people know about yourself? And Yeah, yeah. I've been... Uh working in the South Central PA area, various companies for, I don't know, so coming up 37 years. Worked in uh, consulting engineering for a little while, about 12 years. Moved to a mechanical contractor for about nine, did, ran the design build department there. And then uh, headed over to a performance contracting company. Performance contracting is where you uh, define a list of things that you want to do, figure out what the energy savings is. And the energy savings pays for the construction either in part or completely. And so it's kind of a financial package with a scope of work. I worked at a, uh, left there, worked uh, at uh, a general contractor for a few years. And the last uh, two paychecks I've been with, uh, again, with uh, performance contractors. So doing this kind of work where where a lot of construction is what I call race to the bottom pricing, you know, best price wins the day. Uh, a lot of the work I do, it's really more of a uh, best value. So it may not be the lowest price, but the best value for the customer because there's an energy component. Sometimes the first cost could edge up a little bit to include some of the higher efficiency things, but over a relatively short period of time, there's usually a payback on the difference in costs. And that's that kind of gets me pretty uh, excited about getting up in the morning and going to look for opportunities. So your comment reminds me, another topic we don't talk about much is the race to the bottom mentality. Chris, take a mental note. We need to talk about that more and clients need to focus on quality more. That's what mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up, John. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it really depends on the, you know, there's that, not that we're going to delve in the race to the bottom, but 
there's a real difference when you're doing work in a performance contracting space where first cost does matter, but a lot of times I'm I'm it's not a public bid opening, so it's, uh, there's not a set of documents that you hope everyone's got it right. We actually put sets of documents out, and then we interview our contractors to make sure they they actually have everything that's needed uh, for the project. So we call that a you know contractor debrief. That's nothing new in the world do that all the time. But what about this? Do you have that covered? How are you planning on doing this? Where are you going to put the crane for that piece of the work? You know, just making sure that everyone has a complete you know, scope of work. So there can be that dialogue. Quite often we discover like, oh, well, actually I didn't know about that. And so prices are revised and that's perfectly, uh, you know, that's all part of the play. But what what that does do in the public sector for performance contracting in Pennsylvania, it's a no change order world by law. So I've got a when I sign a contract, that's it. The customer can say, well, we want to do something different. That's fine. The change order can come my way. I just can't send it to the customer. So that's another part of the you know race to the bottom is to make sure that everyone's got the risk managed, the scopes complete, all those kind of things. And so when we're looking at high efficiency or high performance buildings, you know, it's it's sort of an interesting, you know, what is that dialogue and who's managing the risk in a no change order environment? And so almost by definition, you you go with the company that has managed their risk the best as opposed to the lowest price. And and it's it's funny because you know, you, you hear of that race to the bottom that it, so much. And John, you're right. We haven't talked about that. So that is something that we have to talk about. And to your point, John, Hayden, earlier, we're not talking about that now, but it's just an interesting concept because I, th- I think it's like one of the only industries in construction that is that uses that term. And, you know, so it's like, why are we as an industry even considering that? But I think that kind of ties back into what you're doing with energy maintenance and getting away from that race to the bottom. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that really focuses things? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the work I, where things start is looking at energy. Um, Oftentimes energy inefficiency, as you peel that back, you find older pieces of equipment, parts of the building that haven't been maintained well, or, or just things that are aging. You know, if you have a say a 30-year-old roof, you go in the building, you see buckets, uh, you know that roof is aged uh, to perfection perhaps or imperfection <laughs> and you know it's time to replace it. So do you uh, do you just skin the thing or do you peel everything off, replace the insulation, go back with better insulation thickness, you know, better performance there? You know, what are the consequences of doing that? And um, if your insulation was two inches and now you're going back with four, well, Equipment that the equipment curves may need to be replaced. Things may need to go up higher. Flashing may be, need to be different. Parapet walls might even need to go up. So there's some consequences that you know when you're looking at projects like this. So the searching for energy savings lead often leads to maybe what's called low hanging fruit. If I have an incandescent light bulb that's always on, I can place it, replace it with an LED today, and save ninety percent of the energy. And there's usually a nice rebate that comes with something like that from the electric utility. That's a, you know, kind of a typical stereotypical example. But even uh, if you have a 30-year-old, 40-year-old boiler that's leaking and it needs to be replaced, what do you do? You know, there's chillers, boilers, 
electrical parts of electrical systems. Uh, lighting is the most typical there. That building envelope, you know, old leaky windows, roofs I just mentioned, you know, wall systems that can be sealed up or you know re-insulated. Sometimes all this stuff is part of a major renovation. So it's uh, it's time to do a major facelift in the building. You integrate the entire design so that you're looking at the consequence of a better insulated and better sealed up envelope is I don't need as much air conditioning. The consequence of having an efficient lighting system, again, I don't need as much air conditioning. The consequence of managing ventilation in buildings, which is a very important thing, particularly in light of uh, you know, recent issues with COVID and other things like that, to make sure we have a well-ventilated building. How do you treat that outside air? You can do heat recovery. As you're bringing air in, you're also exhausting it. Think of toilet exhausts and you know, kitchens, uh, other things. So is there a way of capturing that energy stream of the air that's going out and using that to preheat or pre-cool the air that's coming into the building? So there's energy recovery opportunities. All those things can lead to lower energy use by the building, higher performance of the building. And oftentimes um, the outcomes with better lighting, better, you know, less drafty buildings is a much more comfortable uh, building, one that I want to be in and use. More pleasant, I have less water cooler complaint time and more time at my desk working in a comfortable building. So, you know, that's that started with energy savings ended up with a high-performance building that is better for uh, comfort and a few other things that we want as building users. You mentioned uh, COVID, and with COVID came a lot of ventilating, uh, changes to, uh, to ventilation. Are there any other trending topics you're seeing over the past year or two or so when it comes to energy? Yeah, I mean, there's there's actually a, a whole big discussion that's in the uh, building industry, and it's happening in with policy and government policies is electrification of our buildings um, and that has to do with climate change and that whole topic and whether one is on board with that or not the the issue is from a policy standpoint is is with us so you know the direction that industry is heading is away from fossil fuels and towards towards what you know if we take away fossil fuels how do we heat and cool our buildings uh, and the answer tends to be the fuel and then tends to be electricity. So with heat pumps, geothermal heat pumps, air source heat pumps, uh, these are all different ways that the HVAC system can, can go. Our lighting is already electric. So these are commercial buildings. There's a whole discussion to have in the industrial sector. You know, if I have a high temperature process, it's 800 degrees Fahrenheit that I need to maintain. I, there's not a heat pump on the market that you and I can buy that's going to manage that very well, maybe soon, but not right now. So, so really the whole electrification discussion is around as energy efficiency goes is around uh, commercial buildings. So schools, hospitals, office buildings, and uh, also where we live, the residential market is very much going in this direction. And state by state, it's varying, which some states are going to go there faster than others, partly because of the politics of the state, partly because of the resources of the state. So uh, it's, it's a very interesting and dynamic area right now. So, so energy efficiency, I, I would say another thing that our company's involved with, we build a lot of uh, warehouses. And with the 
in the last year, the dramatic increase in electricity prices and somewhat natural gas. Uh, natural gas drives our electric prices. So as natural gas goes up in price, electricity is going to go up in price because that's where a lot of generation is happening is in the, you know, natural gas is the source. But uh, the warehouse market now kind of has two different places where revenue can happen for a developer. Below the roof, I have a million square foot warehouse. Uh, Amazon's going to rent it, somebody like that. I'll put the racks in and I'll rent that million square feet out. The roof is now a possible area for uh, rental as well. So I can lease the roof area for power production. So that can either benefit the tenant or it can be sold directly to the utility, but it becomes a revenue source for the developer, the landlord, whoever owns the property or can be. It's a pretty interesting new area for uh, in the last year or so. The economics has really turned very attractive for that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how long has that been an option for developers? And then since you answered that, you know, what, what are the what are the benefits to that? I mean, are, are there incentives? Are there programs like along those lines? Yeah. So the broader green building discussion uh, has had a boost in legislation recently at a federal level. Recent legislation has changed some of the tax codes. So particularly solar was on a declining tax credit uh, basis. It's now back up, I think, to 30% for quite a while. I'm not intimate with all the details, but it was at 26% this year, 22 next, and now it's back up to 30%. But what that, so the higher electric prices and the slow declining price over time of the solar panels and the balance of systems that make the whole solar PV system work, that, that price is not necessarily at bottom today, but it's close to the low that it's been in the last uh, 10 years. And I understand there may be some tariff changes that make panels uh, lower cost again uh, in the overseas tariff markets. So, but anyway, bottom line there is there has been an economic shift between tax credits, depreciation. If you're a for-profit entity and, and, and actually are making a profit and put a solar system in, you can take a tax credit at 30%, but you also can depreciate that asset in an accelerated fashion. So the combination of those two things, you can have a somewhere between 150 and 220% ROI in the first year. Now, that's not over the term, but you can essentially you're getting, if you put 25% down on a $6 million, three megawatt system, you're going to get that 25% back the first year, roughly. That math works out. If you have a profit, that <laughs> you can write all that off. <laughs> against. Presumably you do. So as an investor, you probably would, would do that. So for warehouses, uh, this is not a new idea. You know, the Walmarts of the world have been putting solar on in various states, you know, Connecticut, uh, certainly California, some other, some other states where the economics is New Jersey. The economics has been very attractive for a while. Pennsylvania is catching up. I think another thing in Pennsylvania on solar, not that that's the whole discussion here, is that the the solar renewable energy credits, SRECs, that market was open. Uh, that is to say, you could buy solar energy out of state and use solar renewable energy credits to do that. Anyway, the credits, say, maybe three years ago were two bucks, five bucks each. 
they're now around 40. And so one credit is uh, solar renewable credit is equal to one cent per kilowatt hour. So 40, I can sell power off my solar system and I can then sell the renewable energy credits is equal to four cents a kilowatt hour. That's enormous. That's half the price of electricity I'm paying on the generation side right now. I'm getting that back as a discount. So yeah, so that's a, those are a couple of the tax credits, uh, solar renewable energy credits have gone up. And then the, um, the just the whole situation's become more economically attractive. John, I, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Building PA podcast and sharing a lot of really, really great information. I, I didn't realize that the, the solar credits had gone up that high. So that's, a, that's an intriguing factor there. But thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us and uh, can't wait till the next time we talk. We'd love to have you on. I want to pick your brain about Passive House. So keep that in mind for, for part two. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.